Welcome to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenhouse. We are grateful to WVU, who offers renowned online master's degree programs in marketing communications. And this series is presented by the Reed College of Media as part of their ongoing marketing series. Thank you for joining us today. Cindy, we have a very special guest today, Scott Brinker, who really needs no introduction. I know there's really no better person that I could think of to invite to talk about the future of MarTech. He's like Mr. MarTech, you might say. He's been really, I think, the most influential observer of the growth of marketing technology. He founded Chief MarTech in 2008, his blog, and he's been publishing, which we all know, the famous annual roundup of mm-hmm. MarTech offerings on uh, available in the marketplace. And it's called the Marketing Technology Landscape Supergraphic, <laughs> which everyone loves because it's so, it's so awe-inspiring and also informative. And that was launched in 2011 with 150 brands on the list. And now there are 8,000 brands in 2020. And I know he's going to give us the scoop on where marketing technology is going. So let's invite him in here. Absolutely. Scott. Hi, Scott. Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Wow, Scott, I'm just thrilled that you're joining Ruth and I. Um, The growth in MarTech, tracked by your uh, landscape super graphic, has just been extraordinary. Um, So would you share with us where you think this category is going? Yeah, wow. It's... um... You know, it, it, it really mirrors the story of what's happened with the marketing profession uh, at large. You know, I mean, it's kind of amazing how many decades we went where the, the, the channels, you know, and the experience of how marketing was architected was relatively stable. It, it would evolve. But over the past 20 years in particular, just this acceleration of responsibilities that uh, marketing leaders have for like reaching and engaging their audiences through all these new channels and not just through new channels, but even like the whole nature of the engagement. It isn't something that marketing has, you know, a couple touch points and then hands it off to the rest of the org. And yeah, our work is done here. We can move on, right? I mean, marketing is now embedded in the digital experience that people have throughout their entire customer journey. And so, the, this this huge span of just all the different ways now that companies, organizations engage with their audience, with their customers. Um, this is this has been the motivation uh, for now, literally thousands of technology companies to be able to innovate ideas for helping uh, yeah, marketing teams, you know, create those digital experiences and deliver those digital experiences and, you know, analyze them and monitor and <laughs> feedback and experiment. And so, you know, I guess I would say the, the marketing technology landscape, we can expect it to settle down at about the same time that all the other technology innovation in the world settles down too. Which, uh-huh. It's <laughs> a sort of short version of saying, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> so this growth that 
I, I love your making the connection between the changes in the marketing profession and the growth of, of the MarTech offerings. But with this kind of speed, I mean, your, your list just seems to be exponential in its growth. Does that mean companies have a prayer of keeping up? I mean, what, what, how do you advise companies to deal with all this? It's a great question. I, I really do feel like the, the CMO role these days is, it's like an Olympic sport. Um, hmm. I, it's hard for, I mean, don't get me wrong. Every facet of companies is going through, you know, rapid change and evolution, but it's hard for me to find another profession where the scope and scale and speed of the change has been as great and just persistent uh, as it is in marketing. So, I think part of this is just recognizing this is almost like the meta challenge of marketing now. In addition to everything else of, you know, actually executing, you know, our brands and our customer experience and, you know, that there's this meta challenge of how do I create a marketing organization that can continue to adapt as new innovations and disruptions happen in our market or happen just sort of in the landscape of consumer and customer expectations. Um, you know, and there are ways you can do this. Uh, you know, I mean, there's technological ways of doing it, you know, sort of in the area that I specialize. Uh, I often advise the people who are building out these marketing tech stacks to really design for change. And what does that mean? Well, that, that generally means like, you know, picking a, a, a platform that will serve almost as the tentpole, you know, around which uh, the rest of your capabilities get developed. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, you, you want to make sure that's, that that platform has a lot of open APIs. You want to make sure that they're uh, uh, playing well uh, with the other, uh, you know, innovative marketing tech companies that are out there. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, sort of once you've got that foundation, you know, you are evaluating when you add new vendors into your stack. One of the key ways you're evaluating them is, you know, how open and integration friendly are they? Uh, with the idea being that, hey, listen, I, I, I want to have the freedom to be able to pull in specific apps or capabilities, you know, when new demand arises, but I also don't want to be uh, locked in <laughs> into some sort of black box mm. at this point. I really want to make sure that I have the freedom that, hey, if it works, great. If it doesn't work, you know, I'm going to try it as an experiment, remove it. Um, you know, if it works great for five years, but in year six, I realize I need something different. It just... We now evaluate, you know, our vendor relationships through their ability to give us that adaptability. Yeah. But you know, Scott, what's so challenging? I mean, it's fascinating. And I agree 100% that we have to um, design and um, make these decisions, you know, designed around change and and know it's going to happen because it's so rapid and because it's so hard to keep on top of it the way you are. Um, we have seen so many marketers adopt MarTech technology and have to abandon it in not three to five years. We're talking 12 months. We're talking mm -hmm. by the time you actually get around to implementing it, it's already um, either out of date or you just didn't even know what you really needed and you've had to pivot. And now you have costs and you have, you know, skill sets and, and infrastructure. And, and how do you constantly change that quickly in an organization, especially big ones? 
Yeah, well, uh, wow, there's a few different layers to this. So from <laughs> we'll, we'll start with the tech layer. So not all marketing technology is equal or should be evaluated equally. Okay. Um, you know, I sort of look at this as like a long tail type spectrum. And at the head of the tail, you're talking about your foundational systems. These are things like your foundational CRM, your marketing automation platform, your website digital experience platform. These are things that you want to evaluate very carefully because when you put those in place, you absolutely do not want to be changing them every 12 months because you're right. I mean, these things as they get large, takes you 12 months to even like, you know, get it fully uh, implemented and customized, you know, to your needs. Um, you need those foundational pieces to be in place for, I think it's still fine to be looking at those things as like five plus year horizons. The thing is, there's a whole bunch of other marketing technology that is not as foundational, um, you know, and I think to, you know, be able to quickly experiment with, uh, you know, technologies that the, the, the switching cost is minimal, not zero, uh, but it's not like the switching costs you see with like, you know, your website platform or your CRM or something like that. And like, I don't know, like a great example would be, you know, like a tool, uh, you know, hey, we're on this podcast, right? I mean, there are all these great tools for editing your podcast. Hopefully, actually, if you decide to switch from one podcast editing tool to another podcast editing tool, yes, there's a little bit of a blip in the learning curve of, oh, this is how this works. But if it gives you a bunch of new capabilities and you like the way it works better and saving your time, you're like, okay, I, ca I can do that switch and it doesn't require an act of Congress. But then what about the other aspects besides the technology? I think Cindy was getting at maybe the organizational or even psychological or the talent and training skills angle? Yes. So there's two ways to look at that. One is I think having this capability for continuous learning in the organization and not to just say that is a nice buzzword, but to actually have like a marketing enablement or a marketing training program, particularly if you're a large company, right? You can have a team that their entire mission is, how do we keep upskilling our marketing talent to be able to take advantage of not just the latest technologies, but I mean, there's so many other things just happening in the world around like how we leverage these technologies and what are the implications around, you know, compliance and regulation that keeps changing in so many different, I mean, there's just a ton of things that your frontline marketing team need to continually upgrade, you know, their skills and knowledge on. And so I think investing, you know, in a program and a capability to support that uh, is a good one. I think the other side, as far as like the psychological change on it, it's interesting because that cuts both ways. You know, people, when they get used to a tool that they use and they love it and they does what they need, right? They don't want to switch just for the sake of switching, at least most of us, you know, don't, you know, and that's fine, you know, but there are also cases on the other side where people find the tool that they're using is actually not great for what they're trying to do, you know, and then they hear about another tool, you know, a new innovation, a competitor, a disruptor or whatnot, and they go and they check out like, wow, that is so much easier. That's so much better for that, you know, and I think this is, again, where from an evaluation perspective, well, you don't want to force change, you know, on people where it doesn't really provide significant benefit. I think you also want to be careful about 
resisting change when it's actually being driven right. by your frontline marketers uh, who want to use something right. better. Do you think there's any of the uh, new shiny object um, phenomenon going on? 8,000 different tools, uh, you know, marketers, we tend to be always what if and thinking about what's next. And are, are we picking up on some of this, but just because it's new, just because it's different? You know, the, it's a great question. I, I feel like that's in a, a weird balance because actually, as we were just saying, you know, actually most people, you know, have a, have a resistance to change, you mm. know, even marketers, you know. Um, and so I think on one hand, right, we are curious. In fact, actually, it's our job uh, to stay ahead of the consumer trends and to follow customer expectations. I mean, in marketing, it's really simple, like wherever the audience is, <laughs> that's where we go, whatever their expectations are, that's what we need to meet. This is, you know, uh, and, and marketing technology companies are similarly, you know, like uh, almost like Pavlov's dog, like wherever marketers are going to chase their audience, marketing tech companies are going to like, you know, make sure they give the marketers those tools. Um, you know, so I think, yeah, there's some shiny object syndrome, some of it's warranted because we live in an age of just continuous change and you need to have some curiosity to it. But I find in practice, it's not, I don't think it's so far in one end of the spectrum of like, oh yeah, hey, listen, I just got all these tools figured out. I know how to use them. Yes, it's time to toss those away. Let me start over <laughs> from scratch again. I, I just don't know a lot of marketers who really behave that way. Now you've said several places that a, a role like chief MarTech officer or somebody in charge of the technology is a requirement today in every company of any size, uh, any size meaning somewhat sizable company. Uh, but that's a big challenge for, for many organizations. What's in the way, do you think? Or what are the, the struggles, the issues that companies are having um, figuring out how to take the best advantage of marketing technology? Yeah, so when I first proposed that role, um, it was because you know there was a set of capabilities most organizations had in their IT organization. And IT pretty much owned all technology inside the organization, but most marketers, the speed at which they were trying to change and adapt their capabilities for digital marketing, the IT department just wasn't able to keep up with, uh, you know, what they needed to do. And so this kind of led to, you know, the emergence of MarTech as a discipline that was actually more marketing than it was IT. Um, and I, part of why I thought that was okay was actually because this recognition that wasn't actually taking anything away from IT. It wasn't like some, oh yeah, IT, you had all these responsibilities and we're just taking some of them. No, it's actually like net new. Uh, that just mm -hmm. the amount of technology and the use of technologies throughout the organization was growing. I fast forward now, you know, like 12, 13 years in this process and it's all that by an order of magnitude, you know? So I think you have... Whew. you know, certainly within the marketing department, you will typically have a marketing operations, marketing technology person team, you know, who are really responsible for the tooling, uh, you know, that uh, marketing teams are using. But they're now also working very closely with the IT organization because a lot of these technologies aren't 
isolated in the marketing department anymore. They're integrating back into the rest of the digital firm. But then you also have this just dispersion of, you know, there's individual teams within marketing that get their own specialist tools for, you know, their particular activities. You know, obviously there's a lot of engagement in what's happening with like sales tech and, you know, our partners in the sales organization, you know. And so when you actually look at like who's quote unquote running technology, you find that isn't even just one or two roles at this point. It's actually like this proliferation, uh, you know, of ops-like technology people um, that, yeah, this is this is part of what it means to be a digital organization. Is mm. You've actually just got a lot of people running technology, you know, and there's challenges with coordinating uh, that, um, which is now where a lot of the discussion is. But um, it, it, it's just a very different scope uh, than, you know, how we traditionally thought of technology right. management. I'm actually encouraged to hear that because I, I do remember the days of kind of budget wars and power wars between the early MarTech desires and the, you know, the, the installed power base in IT. But as you point out, this is happening all over the company. It's happening in manufacturing, for example, logistics, everywhere. So maybe it's just not an issue anymore. <laughs> so we can relax. I think, yeah. So philosophically, it's probably not an issue. Uh, you know, uh, what was it? Mark Andreessen, you know, a decade ago said software is eating the world. Well, <laughs> this yeah. is what happens when software eats the world. It's like everything we do in every profession and discipline and role has some sort of technology component to it. Um, that being said, well, I think philosophically, we're like, okay, actually, technology is becoming very democratized throughout the organization. There are still very real challenges of like, we can't have these things isolated from each other. I mean, the organization to operate as a whole. I mean, certainly customer expectations from customer experience is that, you know, they don't care what's in marketing or sales or customer service or product. They just just want things to be like that consistent, wonderful experience, you know, at any touch point, you know. And so I think there's a lot of work going in right now to, okay, how do we almost find this balance between centralization and decentralization? Like what are the technological capabilities that we standardize and we govern in a consistent manner across the entire firm? And then where are the places where, yeah, you know, this sort of specialization and diversity and decentralization is actually really powerful because it lets those individual teams, uh, you know, create um, at the speed of change. So do you think that MarTech sits in that specialization area with marketing and the centralization is more what we're seeing around the CDP and UDP, you know, consolidation and the data lakes and the data warehouses and and, and MarTech is going to survive as a specialization that marketing needs as part of that global consolidation? I think it's one foot in each world. So marketing technology and operations has a big responsibility for leveraging that common foundation around things like CDPs, CRMs, uh, data warehouses. I mean, yes, we're standardizing on the technology, but like what we do with them, the data sets that we're working with, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's you know uniquely in the domain of marketing to control. Um, and then I think on the other foot of it, like, yeah, there are still going to be a ton of highly specialized apps, you know, they're very unique to what marketing activities are. I mean, like campaign management is just, 
right? There isn't another group. The IT group isn't like, oh, I can't wait to take over campaign management because you know, <laughs> I want to create right. landing pages. This is my mm. goal. You know, it's like, yeah, no, there's a whole set of stuff that you still need to be able to manage. And what's really exciting is when you're connecting those two halves, you're like, yes, there's a whole bunch of the specialized stuff, but then feeds into that common, you know, layer in infrastructure and vice versa. We're pulling stuff, you know, from that common universe of data, you know, to be able to really do smart, you know, engagements and targeting with, uh, you know, the more specialized marketing touch points too. So it's, 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 a, it's a fun role in between those two worlds. Scott, I've always wondered how to advise students who really don't like technology and enter marketing hoping that it will be a place where they can be creative and and think big thoughts and uh, come up with ideas. Um, Should we be telling them that marketing isn't for them anymore? Oh, goodness, no. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, so first of all, all the responsibilities and talents that marketing has historically needed, none of those have gone away. Like, you know, all this stuff that we're doing with technology is very much additive, you know, and not everyone in the marketing organization needs to be a tech expert, you know? In fact, actually that diversity of talents um, is one of the strengths I think of, you know, a modern marketing org. Uh, We don't want everyone to be super analytical. We want balance of, you know, creativity and right brain and left brain and all that fun sort of stuff. Um, But the other thing I would just sort of like suggest is, you know, technology isn't all analytics. Um, You know, I think of, you know, what artists have been able to do using like the Adobe Creative Suite and things like this. I mean, yes, there are tools to learn, but it's, you know, I mean, like, you know, it's like in some ways the difference between as an artist, like, hey, I know how to use watercolors. Oh, all right, I'm going to have to figure out this acrylics. And maybe I decide I try acrylics or oils and I don't like them at all. And that's fine. I'll stick to watercolors. But sometimes you're like, hey, wow, actually, this is kind of cool. What happens if I combine these two things? And, you know, I mean, I think if you're a creative person, in some ways, the state of innovation and technology it shouldn't be something to be afraid of. It should be this gift of the superpowers, you know, that are at your fingertips as you increasingly like imagine like these really wild things, the ability to make them real. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I would say, please, creative people, come on in. This is your time. Uh, you know, it's never been a better time to be a marketer. Now, Scott, we've all watched the growth uh, in, in your amazing roundup of uh, point systems or, you know, brands in, in marketing technology. And we've all been waiting for a, a shakeout, some kind of consolidation, that kind of growth can't last forever. But there hasn't really been any over the years that you've been tracking. Well, here and there, right? There's been some acquisitions. But is are we ever going to see a decline in, I mean, what well, you probably can't tell us how many brands are going to be listed in 2021. I'm sure that's a closely held secret. In fact, maybe we should have a betting pool around it. <laughs> but where, where are things going, do you think, for MarTech? Yeah, so one of the things that makes MarTech hard to wrap one's head around is you've got both consolidation and diversification happening at the same time. 
Mm. So if we actually look at the head of the tail for like, you know, the major platforms, they are highly consolidated. I mean, you can, yeah, basically if you go and you look up, you know, like the public companies in the MarTech space, right? There's maybe a dozen. Um, and from a revenue perspective, right? They, the vast majority of MarTech spend is being owned by that. You know, then what you've got is this, you know, increasingly uh, diverse long tail of either apps that are extremely niche or they're folks that start out small, but their aspiration is to someday, you know, disrupt one of the larger leaders and some of them will, um, you know, and so what happens in that long tail is you see this continuous rejuvenation. Uh, I mean, there are just no barriers to creating software these days. Um, you know, anyone with an idea can create a software app and, and a darn great one too, actually, um, you know, and so it's that, it's that rejuvenation which keeps the field very diverse, even while at the head of the tail, we see all the classic dynamics of, you know, highly consolidated industries. Where the line, like where the boundary is, you're right. I mean, at some point, there's only so many atoms in the universe as every single atom, like <laughs> a MarTech company, right? I mean, like, you know, I, I, I think we're probably not far from, you know, where that limit is. But I think one of the things that makes it challenging is, what do you define as a MarTech solution? Like, you know, I'll give you a couple examples. So like, mm. you know, on one end of the spectrum, like if you have that data warehouse platform that marketing is using, well, is that a MarTech platform? Well, I mean, no, but then on the other hand, yeah, it's actually what we're using for, you know, a vast majority of marketing activity. Uh, and then on the other end of the spectrum, take something like I've got a plugin for Chrome that makes it really easy for me to like, you know, capture, you know, full screens that I then plug into marketing materials. Okay, is that Chrome plugin? Does that count as a MarTech tool? Why or why not? For that matter, a website. You know, I mean, like if I decide to like, oh, I want to go use Google Trends to see what the, you know, search activity is on a particular thing. Is that Google Trends mm -hmm. thing a MarTech app or not? You know, and so <laughs> you get into a bit of like wow. debate around that. Um, but yeah, I think. Sure. <laughs> Big responsibility you have. You probably have developed some kind of policy statement that, that uh, allows the rest of us to debate to join the debate, maybe. <laughs> it it yeah. almost doesn't matter, right? That, you know, at the end of the day, I think one of the things of software eating the world is at some point, the number of things that are software that we just sort of treat as ambient capabilities, it becomes less and less about the tool and more about just what we're doing, uh, you know, with technologies. Here, here. Wow. And that's actually a great way to end our conversation don't you think cindy i think we've so. learned so much today <laughs> thank you scott so much and we can't wait to see the 2021 report thank you, you so bet. much for having me thank you scott oh ruth it's always so delightful to listen to scott he's so interesting and always brings a unique um, passion to this topic and I thought it was really interesting, his comment about, you know, the role of the CMO, right? It's, it's an Olympic sport, right? <laughs> I loved that. It's yeah. hard to keep up and the scope and scale has been so great. And, you know, in some ways, that's a good thing. And in other ways, maybe this goes back to our conversation with Theresa 
Kushner, where she was saying this contributes to the democratization of marketing? Yes, indeed. In fact, when he was talking about the diversification and the spread of marketing technology throughout the company, I also was reminded of Theresa and thought he was making the opposite case. Well, you know, Theresa was saying, well, marketing is dead because the 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 various activities and responsibilities of marketing are being diffused throughout the organization. But in fact, Scott was really making the same point that the technology is everywhere and it all needs to be integrated and supervised by someone. Um, We didn't actually get a chance to ask him where that central command post would, would live. We also didn't ask him about budgets, but um, this is clearly a trend that we are hearing about from several of our guests. Right. The acceleration of the marketing profession, the acceleration of MarTech, marketing embedded in all of the customer experience has a double-edged sword. We can be now absorbed into everything. So marketing no longer has a uniqueness in the profession. It's everything everywhere. That's Mm. the risk. But the upside is our influence could be greater uh, if we can upskill and stay relevant as we get spread so thin and embedded everywhere. I loved his remark that we need to establish the capability for continuous learning. I think there are many companies that view training as a kind of offshoot over here in a corner and they may have small budgets for it but it's sounding from what scott's saying that this needs to be a larger focus at the corporate level not just in marketing but right. but certainly in marketing so that people are getting trained and also that they're ready for the new thing as it comes along and are psychologically ready to abandon their their favorite tools. Wasn't that an interesting point it he made? Was. And I was surprised by that, Ruth, because it, again, you know, my assumption and bias is that we all get a little enthralled with the new shiny object, maybe because of my agency background that, you know, clients are often looking for the new brand, the new, ooh, something new. They get tired of the same campaign, you know, look for something new, but that human nature, we're holding on to those tools we're most comfortable with, right? That's what he was saying. And and we're not being swayed so easily by the um, by the new, which um, brings about our proliferation of 8,000 different brands that he's looking at versus 150 is because, not because we're looking for something new all the time, but because there's so much creativity and there's so much, you can, you know, come up with software, you can design and you can implement it with very, very few barriers. So it's solving all sorts of unique long tail needs. Yeah, uh, fascinating. Versus us getting bored. Right. And the continuous rejuvenation of the list that not only are companies being bought by each other, but they're being replaced by 
you know, a better mousetrap that comes along when someone says, well, you know, this, this niche item I can do better and they can build it in a couple of days and test it out with, you know, agile methods and get it on into the market quickly. Yeah. So maybe it's time for us to identify our three big takeaways, Cindy. Oh, I think I've got, definitely, I've got a few <laughs> on this one. We're going to battle. This could be a battle to keep well, it to three. Let's hear your, <laughs> let's hear your first one. Well, my first one, I think, has to be the accelerated rate of change and how this constant change for marketing and constant change of technology and how he said, you know, it's going to slow down when the world slows down, which is never going to happen. And that this rate of change is creating this meta challenge for marketing to keep up with it. And um, that is both um, offers us opportunity and potential risk as marketing professionals. Right. That's really important. And then I would also add that his list of, of technologies is actually richer than we even thought by just looking at the numbers as they grow, because it is organically changing within itself. That's an, a thought that mm. I, had, I had never considered before. Certainly, as we wait for massive consolidation, there's a lot of micro consolidation going on in the now 8,000 list. So new apps are, are coming in, purchases are, are being executed, but, but probably uh, companies are leaving or going out of business too. So there's a lot of activity in the list. It's you know almost organic. Yes, it was like a consolidation and diversification at the same time. Right. How he was talking the vast majority of MarTech revenue is being held in that small number of companies at the you know short tail, right? The fundamental need for those um, two or three uh, systems you can't live without. And then the vast majority of the companies in the long tail that are ideating and creating this proliferation of new softwares in the tool. Yeah. So what should be our third one, do you think? Our third oh, takeaway. I think that Ruth, uh, you know, you had a great question for him. You know, should should we abandon marketing as a profession if we're uncomfortable with technology, which is also the question we ask if you're uncomfortable with math or tech mm -hmm. or analytics. And, you know, I, I'd say, come on in, the water's warm. He made it very inviting for us. Yeah. He said we need all kinds of skills to be successful in serving customers. And we also should look at technology as an enabler of creativity. And I, I'm recognizing in some experience that I've had recently of seeing art on the walls of museums that was created using iPads. Wow. And, you know, you look at the stuff and you say, these are artist tools now, how thrilling. And so students who are thinking about career should not be put off, uh, but they should be actually embracing technology thoroughly. 
I agree, Ruth, and how stimulating it was to speak with Scott Brinker today. Thank you for inviting him onto our podcast. He was terrific. Thanks, Cindy. You've been listening to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenglass. Please be sure to visit go.wvu.edu slash mctoday to view our upcoming conversations, listen to previous discussions, and subscribe to receive updates.